that to me is the pathway that I need to follow is a pathway that that, cons- that where the first shall be last and the last shall be first is a pathway where I love my neighbor as myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I'm always, you know, gutting myself in my music and my writings because I want the broken people of this world to be able to say, wow, maybe there is hope. Maybe there's healing available. This is our first ever See Here Love Summer of Strength podcast. And it's the start of our six part series that we're going to do all summer long in 2021 to strengthen you and help you in your journey. So, I mean, get ready for this. We are going to help you in areas of mental health, anxiety and depression, um, stress. We're going to help you in addiction and recovery. And when I say help, we're going to have conversations with people who are in it today in recovery. We're going to talk about racism and how to be an ally. We're going to talk about how to forgive uh, the man who assaulted you and raped you. We're going to talk about how to forgive a spouse who has had an affair in your marriage. We're going to be talking about identity and talking about how success does not make you happy. I mean, we have so many topics that I know are going to strengthen and encourage you. So you've got to stay with us for the next six weeks because we have some incredible human beings who are coming forward to share their stories really honestly and courageously. And so you're not going to want to miss any of the shows in our series of SOS. But. Who better than to kick off our first episode than two incredible, fantastical, (laughs) inspiring African-American men, Lecrae, the Grammy Award-winning artist, uh, hip-hop artist, songwriter, music executive, actor, and entrepreneur, who is going to talk to us today about even though he's at the top of his game as a hip-hop artist, how he struggles with depression and doubt his struggles uh, with the church when they didn't support him as he stood up against racism uh, and the effect of having an absentee father. Uh, This is going to be an amazing conversation coming up soon. And then later on uh, in the show, I'm going to be talking to Jason Brown. And for some of you who are NFL fans, National Football League fans, You'll remember that he was a much-loved NFL player who walked away from a $35 million contract. Did you hear me? $35 million contract to become a farmer and to feed the poor in North Carolina. And you're going to want to stay with us all through the show because you're going to want to hear why he left and why success was not enough, why success did not make him happy. So... That's our show today. I'm so excited. These men are incredible. So get ready for Lecrae and Jason Brown. But let's start with Lecrae as he shares his inspiring story. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with IJM Canada and David Ash, author of Simple Wealth. Now, I'll be sharing more about these inspiring partners later on in the show. But if you want to check out their life-transforming work that they're doing, even while you're listening to this podcast, I won't be offended, I promise. Go to IJM.ca and simplewealthbooks.com slash See Here Love. Well, Lecrae, it's so great to have you here finally on See Here Love. We've been wanting to have you on the show for a while, so thanks so much for being with us today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Lecrae, I want to start with something really positive, especially in a year like we've had this year and the year that we're having. I want to talk about hope. You know, just sort of finding hope in a world that's chaotic, that is disappointing, where we are lamenting so much loss and injustice. How do you stay hopeful, Lecrae? And how would you tell somebody like to just like hold on to hope in a day and time like this? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, you know, um, on a practical level, um, I think it is practicing gratitude, you know, and, and practicing, um, you know, a mindset that is constantly focused on the things that you're grateful for, the things that 
Um, you've been blessed to see the things that you believe can happen. Oftentimes that, that just gives us a, a picture of hope. You always have to, you know, hope is anticipates better. And, um, and so just anticipating something better, continuing to dream, continuing to practice gratitude. Um, from a spiritual perspective, you know, for me, I always reflect on the fact that, you know, I, I took a trip to Israel and I walked inside of an empty tomb. And uh, seeing an empty tomb gave me hope because it reminded me that death is defeated and all the things that I'm seeing around me are defeated as well. Awesome. In Israel, you know, I went uh, a number of years ago to Lecrae and one of my favorite moments actually was in the Garden of Gethsemane, where I kind of like touched the trees, right? Those big olive trees. And I was like, there was a moment where I felt sort of the anguish of Jesus as he was going to the cross, but then this peace Mm. in the garden like I'd never experienced before. It was pretty awesome. I love yeah. that. Did you did you go to the Garden of Gethsemane? I did, and it was powerful indeed. Spent yeah, a lot of time just meditating. Yeah. Part of hope too, Lucre, as I think about your life and all the things that you've experienced and all the choices. Here you are now, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's it's that you know redemption story, the same as mine. I made some really poor choices growing up. They called me the prodigal daughter. Always knew Jesus, but totally ran away from him. How are you able today in all the past stuff you've done, just be able to live, live well, live like, how do I say it? Like live with, you know what, that's the past. And now today I kind of move forward that you don't allow the past to like overcome you and overwhelm you uh, with the regret and kind of like maybe even shame associated to the things that we did. Yeah. I mean, you know, shame is a liar. Shame will condemn you and and tell you that you're not forgiven, that there's no hope for the future and that, um, you know, there's there's not a better future mind. Shame has a disregard for Romans 8, 28, which says all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so you just have to remember, you know, since inception, since Adam and Eve, shame has been a weapon. Um, it's like, oh, shame them. And they're covering themselves up and running away from God. And that's what shame does is it makes you run away from God. And so you have to remind yourself that shame is a liar. Um, they're, 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 because of the consequences of our actions, and sometimes they're just earthly consequences for some of the things that you've done, um, you will wrestle with a bit of regret because you're always thinking about, man, what if, and this would be different if this and this didn't happen. But um, you can't change the past. All you can do is plow forward with a a better, newer future. So for me, I try to stay in that space where I'm thinking about, okay, but what is, what can I do now? Because I can't do anything about that, that what has happened, but what can I do moving forward? And find yourself getting excited about that. Find yourself just, you know, focusing on what you can do moving forward. It's good. So don't get stuck in the past, but always be looking ahead and looking forward. Yeah. You know, Lecrae, I, if I can say this as, you know, honestly, I'm really proud of your stand and your voice in the racial uh, tensions and race related issues that we're finding ourselves in. You know, thank you for standing up and being a voice with that. And I know you've had such backlash. Wow. And just stuff thrown at you and that. How have you navigated that, especially because some of the backlash has been uh, Christians, evangelical Christians? Yeah. How have you navigated that? And what would you say to that? Because, I mean, here at See Her Love, we, we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion and standing mm-hmm. up for injustice. The women on my show, Lecrae, are all BIPOC and very much intentional for me to amplify voices of women of all different races and cultures and backgrounds. So important. And so it's been it's my heart. And so when I hear someone like you who's just been, you know, hurt it it actually pains us so -hmm. i just wanted to say that to you um and so how how are you doing how have you navigated through through that today yeah i mean you know obviously there's when you speak out um and what you're saying is not uh received you know well in terms of um race or ethnicity or justice issues, um, there's a tendency to, uh, you know, retreat into your yourself and to say, you know, well, I'm done with everybody and I'm done, you know, um, and, th- and that's that's the kind of knee jerk reaction. But what I've learned is that 
um, you know, when you're doing real life altering work, when you're doing real uh, kingdom work, because that's what justice work is, is kingdom work. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, many of God's people are so off mission, like we're, it's kind of like hunting dogs, right? When hunting dogs don't have a fox to chase, they start fighting amongst each other. Mm-hmm. And because there's, we're so off mission, we just get caught up with fighting each other instead of seeing each other as allies and on the same team and needing to push forward. And, and so for me, uh, I'm grateful for individuals like Latasha Morrison, who wrote uh, Be the Bridge, because she wants to educate people from different uh, ethnicities. Um, but for me, I have to stay focused on the work at hand because I get too distracted with all of the side comments and all and defending yourself. And, you know, it just it becomes difficult. And so my prayer and hope is that people just see the content of my character, the consistency of uh, the work that I'm trying to do and say, OK, well, maybe there's something we're missing um, in this process. But there's too many people who need hope, care, generosity, grace, empathy, help uh, yeah. for me to get too caught up in all of the sidebar conversations. I like that, Lecrae. I mean, what advice would you give? I mean, a, a lot of my girlfriends and friends uh, and people that I know are are choosing to stand up, you know, and it's been really hard. What encouragement you say to them today is they're just like, you know, feeling the backlash, but knowing that their voice and even for, for me, like my voice needs to be heard. We need to stand up for for equality. Uh, and so what would you say to us? Yeah, I would say that. This isn't new. Uh, you know, you're, you're in good company. Uh, you know, I think of Moses who, you know, Hebrews talks about him having to say, deny all of his privileges in, in, in Egypt to stand up for the people of God, to stand up for the people who were oppressed. And, um, and it wasn't received well. Uh, it wasn't as if Egypt was like, you know what, Moses, you're right. Wow, this is uh, so good. <laughs> um, it didn't it didn't go well for him. It, it was a stressor. Um, and then also, I think of people who looked at Jesus to be a political savior and he just wouldn't do it. He just would not be the political savior that they wanted him to be. And um, and, and so he was he was murdered for that. Um, and, and I would just say you're in good company uh, if you're struggling with this. You're walking in the footsteps of godly people um, and, you know, continue to build and use your anger constructively. You know, don't don't be destructive with it. Don't fight back. Um, continue to love people and pray for them, you know, but don't waste your time trying to explain yourself over and over again to people who are bent on misunderstanding you. Yeah, that's really good. That's a good reminder. Okay, thank you. Yeah. The other thing I find so interesting about your story and encouraging is just your openness about your own mental health struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, that's especially, you know, I think for a lot of us, I, mean, I struggled with depression. Uh, you know, when you're on platform and you're a leader, it's always that kind of stuff where it's like, oh, do I want to share it? Do I want to be open about it? Oh, what are people going to think? You know, really appreciate your openness about it. Let's talk about mental health. Lecrae, that's a big topic for our show. A lot of sort of millennials um, and our viewers, those are our top sort of watch shows because everybody wants to learn and know about how to sort of navigate, manage mental health or how to be with people with it. I just sort of love your thoughts and your own personal journey with it. You know, encouragements, things, do not to do, say, just just your thoughts about it overall. Yeah. um, Well, I think that, you know, mental health is, um, it's going to be different for everyone. You know, the the, the people's experience, experiences with, um, you know, the mental health struggles are different from person to person to person. And I think we have to remember that. I think we, we can't kind of categorize what depression looks like or what anxiety looks like and just kind of rope it all in. Um, as different as our personalities are or how uh, our mental health uh, struggles uh, are, 
are navigated with each individual person. So I think you have to have a level of empathy and a level of uh, understanding with each individual person as they as they express th themselves. Um, I know for me, um, you know, I grew up um, just kind of stuffing all of the trauma and all of the struggles that I, I was dealing with and just kind of keeping them under wraps. And, you know, it ultimately, uh, exposed itself in, you know, anxiety and depression. Um, and those are, those are things that I'll probably have to navigate and manage for the rest of my life. Um, but um, the, the beauty of it is, is that I get to process it and I get to explore it and not run away from it. And as I explore it and I process it, I'm better at articulating what I'm experiencing and what I'm feeling and what I'm battling. And it helps other people be able to, to navigate that as well. And then also for those people who do struggle with their mental health, I would just say, give, give a, a, a measure of grace to people on the outside because you look normal, you talk normal, you seem normal. And, and if they're not educated, they don't see what's the big deal that in their mind, you should just snap out of it or get over it right. or just move through it. And, um, and sometimes, you know, it's not, it, it's not worth um, trying to walk somebody through exactly what's going on with you. If they're not on, if they're, if they're not willing to, to go into that tunnel of chaos and, and be educated uh, for those friends who want to do that, then I say, by all means, send them the links, send them the books, whatever it may be. And I have some great friends like that. And if you're going to be a great friend to somebody, it behooves you to, to learn and to understand what that looks like and to navigate it. But but um, but yeah, don't don't stress yourself out or add more fuel to that fire uh, by, you know, being all frustrated and like, oh, you just don't understand. It's kind of like, hey, most people are not going to, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, lean on the ones who do and try to educate those people uh, who, who are willing to learn. That's good. Lecrae, what do you do when you're getting to that place, when you're starting to get anxious or you're feeling kind of the slip into depression? Mm. What, are, what, are, what is something that you do that kind of helps you not go there or stay there? Yeah. So a lot of it is, um, you know, I'm a big proponent of um, cognitive behavioral therapy and, and, and that type of therapy helps you to think through, um, you know, what is true and what is real. I mean, it's, it's stuff that God tells us already, you know, in Philippians yeah. is like, uh, think on whatever's good, whatever's pure. Uh, it's just a reminder to renew your mind daily, uh, to meditate on things that are true and to combat a lot of those, those thoughts. So perhaps it's, it's a, a, you know, many of the thoughts of depression, uh, come from regret or, or things, or, or, uh, uh, you know, looking at yourself in a, in a very like, Oh, I, I don't like something about myself and you have to battle that and you have to say, okay, is this true? Is it absolutely true? Like I'm a failure. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I feel like a failure now. Is that true? No, it's not. Okay. Is it absolutely true? No, it's not. What are some evidences that it's not true? And then you focus on those evidences and you remind yourself, okay, that's not, that's a lie. Um, as far as anxiety is concerned, it's just a lot of anxiety is built on forecasting and foretelling about what's going to happen. And you don't know. And you have to tell yourself that, like, I really don't know if that's the case. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to blow this and everything's going to go to, you know, terrible. And it's like, is that true? Have you seen this? Do you know this for a fact? And then you just back yourself off the ledge. And, um, and that's just the helpful part of managing. And once you get good at that, you can, you can it, start doing it in seconds and, and yeah. talking yourself out of it. That's really good. Those are really practical things. I think that's really, really helpful. And I think when you said about anxiety, when I have those moments, I'm like, it's not even happened yet. And I'm yeah. worrying about something that, uh, you know, and you just exactly. get so frustrated because I'm like, I'm sitting in my house thinking about something that's going to happen, not and worrying about it. I know. Yeah. So I love that sort of to pause and then kind of go, okay, you know, and manage that. That's great. Yeah. Lecrae, I want to talk about your dad. Yeah. And wow, the reunion of your, you know, long absent father. Uh, we have had topics on fatherlessness in our show, forgiving our father, 
we have a lot of that on this show. I want your thoughts for that because I think that's so important, especially, I mean, for women, I mean, for men, but for women too, the yeah. connection with our dads and it hasn't all been great. Mm-hmm. Some have been. Uh, what was that like first meeting him? And just, I think just the journey as a young man without a dad and then finding him and now you being a dad, yeah. uh, what's that journey been like for you? Yeah. Well, first I have to give credit to my sister um, because it was her idea, you know, and okay. she was like, I found his address. You know, he's got somewhere to stay now. Let's see him one time, you know, at least. And um, I was like, whoa, all right. Talk about a tailspin, um, wow. you know, so so it was going to be new for both of us. You know, both of us hadn't seen him. Um, for how and, long? How long it was? Oh, I mean, I think I was nine years old um, wow. the last time I saw him. And that was for like a day. You know what I mean? And so I saw him once. And then uh, my sister had seen him once when she was in high school, you know, and, and at that point in time, he was homeless and just so happened to find out where she worked in high school and, and um, you know, came up there, but didn't talk to her, just wanted to stare at her. And it was a, just a weird kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. So um, we didn't know really, we were kind of like, man, I don't know what this means, but I think for, for, for both of us, there was a sense of, we want to say we saw him, we talked to him, we we at least got an interaction with him in in the in the event that something would happen to him or or he was no longer alive. And um, we made the trip, and what we had decided was that we're not going to have heavy expectations. Our goal is not to get every question we wanted answered. Our goal is not to walk off into the sunset with the dad we always wanted. Our goal was just to see him and, you know, be able to say we put eyes on you. And if and if there's a future, we'll explore that at that time. And I think that was very healthy for us managing our expectations. Mm -hmm. And um, and so that was great because we were able to just kind of go in, see him. And he was way more open than we imagined. And he wanted to talk to us and he wanted to express things. And, you know, and and it wasn't, you know, happy because obviously he's a different generation and he's from a generation where they're not all in touch with their emotions and feelings and processing and therapy. And so it's kind of like, what do you mean? How do I feel? We don't talk like that. And so, uh, so, you know, it's a process. It was a process yeah. and it's been a process. But um, but but what we can say is that now we have contact with him and now we can have conversations with him and to the best of his ability. And and uh, we're able to, to connect and, uh, and 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 learn what we what we never knew. And so without what would you say, though, biggest challenge growing up without a dad, like you knowing that he's out there, but he's not having any connection or relationship with you. Uh, I think it, I think it definitely wore on me uh, in terms of just identity, because no matter what you, you're going to look up to your father he, without him even deserving it, you know? So, so every kid, it just has this esteemed picture of their father until they do something to shake that, you know, so he was always a hero of mine that never existed. And um, I thought, well, because he's a hero, one day he'll come and save me. And if he doesn't, then it must be something wrong with me because he's a hero, Mm. you know? And so that was the the, the toughest part is, uh, is, me absorbing all of the the reason why he wasn't around. And so what was the connection then when you made the decision to follow Jesus, God as father? How did yeah. that help you, Lecrae, when it was like the hero doesn't come back and now I have this relationship with God as father? Yeah. So so it was a it was a beautiful disaster. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. <laughs> it was a beautiful disaster. It was it was very beautiful in the sense that I have found, um, you know, a, a, the source of purpose and meaning and value, and I and it didn't have to be inside of another person. 
no one no one had to give that to me. God did. And, and God was a father unlike any other. And he continues to be. And that part is beautiful. The disastrous part is because I had to learn how to interact with the father. I didn't know what that looked like. And there's this fear that he'll leave me too one day. So I got to do everything right and I got to get it right. And so it's just a process of me learning that God is relational and not transactional, that he wants to be there. He wants to walk with me. He wants to continue. And and what that has shown me is how to be a father to my own kids. Um, is to let them know, hey, listen, there's nothing you can do to make me love you more or less. I'm always going to be here. So beautiful. Yeah. In that, the big question that we ask a lot of our guests is why Jesus? Of any religion or person to follow or to commit your life to, why have you chosen Jesus out of all of them? And what has that meant to you in your life today? It's a good question. You know, it's funny. Uh, I remember probably a year before I um, decided to follow Jesus. Uh, I had, I had two good friends. One was an atheist and one was um, a Muslim. And, um, you know, I was just exploring. I was just curious, you know, I was curious about all religions and all paths and, and I'm asking them questions. And, um, and I, I just was like, I was, kind of ashamed at my weakness because they seem so strong, right? Like my atheist friend was like, well, there's no God. It's just us. We have to figure it out. And I was like, oh my God, that's too much for me. I can't, I don't know how to tie my own shoe. I'm just, (laughs) how, how can you do it? Um, And then uh, my, my Muslim friend, you know, he was like, man, here's our, here's our book. Here's our, here's what we follow. Here's what we believe. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, you're so disciplined. I don't have the discipline. How in the world am I? I'm, I'm done for. And um, and and what I come came to find is that, you know, of all the paths to, to take, um, there was no path where I didn't have to kind of work or strive to have a relationship with God until I found Christ where he says, listen, you are weak. You aren't disciplined enough. So I'm going to have to reach down and do the work for you and pull you up. And I'll connect you with the father that way, because you're not going to be able to earn your way or make it. And, uh, and that to me was made all the difference. And that's even to this very day, I tell people I'm not a Christian because I'm strong and have it all together. I'm a Christian because I'm weak and know I need a savior. And, uh, and that's been the, the difference maker for me. Amazing. And as you follow Jesus Lecrae, how would you say he has informed decisions? I mean, music, yeah. entrepreneurship, relationships, yeah. uh, writing books, like, I mean, all these things, uh, how would you say Jesus has informed that or influenced that? in a very practical way? Um, I, I look at, at, at how he walked and how he, you know, he guided and, and taught. And, um, you know, for, for me, it was his consistent care for the marginalized, his consistent yeah. care for the disenfranchised, his consistent care for um, those who didn't have a voice and him even being born into a system where he didn't have a voice. Um, that to me is the pathway that I need to follow is a pathway that, that, cons- that where the first shall be last and the last shall be first is the pathway where I love my neighbor as myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I'm always, you know, gutting myself in my music and my writings because I want the broken people of this world to be able to say, wow, maybe there is hope. Maybe there's healing available. Um, and, and that's what informs everything I do. I, 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 lastly, I, I always think of the the man at the pool of Bethesda who was, you know, an invalid who couldn't walk for 38 years and how desperate he must have been. And I, I think of how desperate people are out there. I know what it's like to be desperate and just a, a little hope. Give me something, please. And I always want to provide that. Uh, for people. And that's what, what Jesus has done for me. And I want to be able to do that for others. Yes. I love it. And then final question, Lecrae, for the next generation who are listening and watching mm-hmm. from all the experiences that you've had in your life and all the learnings, what would be your encouragement 
to them today to just keep going. For those that are discouraged, who are disillusioned, who are confused, overwhelmed, what would you say to that young millennial uh, who's watching, listening today? Yeah, I would say, man, it's very important for us to remember that God keeps his promises. If, if you know that he keeps his promises, you know what's possible, right? Um, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for a future and a hope. He tells that to a group of people who are going through pain. They're, they're in captivity. They're going to be captive for 70 years. And But what they get to do in that process is hold on to a promise. So in the midst of the pain, there's a promise. And God will never leave you without a promise in the midst of the pain. And so if you're going through pain, you've got to find some promises you can hold on to. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're my workmanship created for things that I've pre-planned for you. Goodness and mercy will pursue you all the days of your life. You've Mm got to hang on to those promises uh, because those are what's going to get you through the pain. Lecrae, talk to you for hours. (laughs) hours and hours. Thank you so much. Uh, Inspiring. Thank you for your life, for putting it on paper and to music and to words for us to hear and connect with. And thank you for just being a voice of hope and justice and possibility and dreams for us. So thank you so much for being with us. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Wow. Uh, That conversation with Lecrae, uh, really just sort of blew my mind. Uh, so honest and so open. It, it's so refreshing hearing from like uh, basically several celebrity superstar be so honest and sharing some really deep things. I think when you start talking about family and fatherhood, when you start talking about mental health, there still is a stigma around it, how he was so open. And just hearing the pain of his voice uh, when the church hurt him and, you know, just, you know, his continued work uh, to stand up against racism and hate. He's so inspiring and I'm so thankful for Lecrae. Uh, but now, want to transition and move to another great conversation uh, that I've had with Jason Brown. And earlier I told you that he was known, I mean, he was an incredible football player at the NFL, but he left a $35 million contract Uh, to do something that he believed he should do. And I guess the question when you're listening to this conversation is, would you have done the same thing? Or would you have taken the money and run? So here's my conversation with Jason. Uh, Get your uh, tissue box, Kleenex box out, because there are a lot of tears from him and from me. It was pretty emotional. But I hope this conversation strengthens you in the area of what is most important in your life. Here's my conversation with Jason Brown. Hi, this is Becca, the associate producer of See Here Love, interrupting this great conversation to let you know that there are more shows and great content and blogs at seeherelove.com and our YouTube channel. Content to help you and give you tools as you care for your mental health, relationships, being single, being married, family issues, your self-confidence. We're here for you to help you find joy and small wins in your everyday as we lean into relationship with Jesus and intentional community. So check us out at seeherelove.com. And if you want to help us keep making this kind of content, you can donate to us at seeherelove.com donate. And really, to keep Melinda and I working and with jobs, donate. And finally, if you found this episode inspiring, please take a moment to share it with someone who would enjoy it and to rate and review our podcast. It really helps. Now back to Melinda to tell you what our amazing partners are up to. Did you know there are more people in slavery right now than at any point in history? I didn't know that. These people deserve freedom, and I believe that none of us are truly free until all of us are free. The world needs freedom partners, and I believe that Canada can be a leader in standing up for freedom, for the safety and equality of the most vulnerable. And so that's why I chose to partner with IJM Canada to invite Canadians like yourself to join with IJM to help bring hope and freedom to people living in fear, oppression, and slavery. IJM is on a mission to see 500 million people protected from violence by 2030, and we need your help. Will you join us as a freedom partner? Well, please go to IJM.ca to find out how you can help today. 
Well, Jason Brown, welcome to See Here Love from my home to yours. How are you doing today? Doing awesome. Thank you for having me. Amazing. So where am I um, interviewing you from? You are in North Carolina? We're in Lewisburg, North Carolina. And right now, uh, I'm in our farmhouse, right okay. on the farm. Beautiful. I can see that behind you and it looks beautiful. Well, I think the most important thing is to get this out of the way. So um, I am a Green Bay Packers fan, a cheesehead, and my husband is a hardcore Buffalo Bills fan. So just getting out there because I know that you were with the Baltimore Ravens and the St. Louis Rams, and I don't know what you, you're, you, who you like cheer for now, but if it's going to cause animosity, we should get that out before we interview. <laughs> with that, just as long as it's not the Patriots, all right? <laughs> and we're good to go. And for all my friends who are like Patriot fans, they're like, hmm. Anyway, no, that's, that's right. good. I was going to actually wear my cheese head during the interview, but I, I don't think it's, it would be so professional. Anyway, let's start off with that. Um, when you're growing up, Jason, because I want to hear some of your backstory. Were you always like in love with football? I know you were with track and field as well, but was football your thing, your sport? Football was never my, my number one go-to thing. Okay. Um, actually, it was always uh, academics first. I always thought that my avenue was going to come through uh, the classroom and, and through the books. Um, but my high school coach came to me one day and said, hey, don't you know you can earn a scholarship playing a sport, playing football as well? And I was like, really? And, and so Starting out, it was actually a business decision. Really? Yes. Wow. So you decide, okay, I'm going to go to the scholarship for football. When did you meet your wife, Tay? Was that um, before you became a professional football player? Yeah, definitely before. That was towards the end of my first year at, at Carolina, UNC Chapel Hill. And so now my wife, Tay, uh, she's a dookie. She's a duke blue devil. And, and so uh, we, we were – on the opposite ends of Tobacco Road, you know, that big rivalry, uh, not really between football, but more so basketball. Okay. All right. So you decide to then go into uh, professional football. Talk to me about that whole process, because a lot of us don't know about what that entails and what it's like to be like a professional NFL player. Kind of give us a, a picture, maybe uh, the good and bad and all of it. So uh, th there's a big leap from the, the high school level to the collegiate level, but there's an even greater leap from college to, to the pros. And, and that's because the, the talent pool is so very small. Um, and it would, it, it's what it means to be a professional at its highest sense. Um, you're playing against some of the best athletes in, in the entire world. And, and the thing is, um, no matter how good you think you are, you have to bring your best every single day because if you don't someone's going to take your job all right so someone's going to catch you slipping and you'll get embarrassed very quickly so when you're at your sort of top of your game and you are like like the, the top center like what was life like give us sort of an inside picture of that because i think a lot of people are like wow i mean he must have been living the high life and and millions of fans watching and adoration to you i mean what was that like what was what was the good of that, but what was also the really difficult, hard part of that, too? So now, I, I did buy into the lifestyle, you know, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, I watched MTV Cribs, you know, growing up, you yes. know, thinking that how, how that lifestyle will be able to afford me everything that I wanted. And, and so, of course, I thought that that was the American dream. Um, but at the top of that mountain, um, it was pretty lonely. Because the thing is, what good is the American dream? when you're leaving behind all of the Americans. And, and so um, it, it was a, a very lavish lifestyle uh, in St. Louis. We stayed in a 12,000 square foot mansion, but all at the same time, it was also very lonely. Uh, everyone hears the cliche that, hey, money can't buy you happiness. But when people hear that, they say, well, you know what? If I have a lot of money, I'm gonna be different. You know what? They think that they're gonna be the exception to the rule uh, when in actuality, is not very different, all right? Uh, it's very lonely up there. Mm. How was your marriage during that time? So I was going, you know, the route of, of course, the, the big ego, um, you know, fame and fortune. And there was a lot of 
my character that was self-serving. Well, when it came to Tay, in her own right, she had just graduated from UNC Dental School, and she was a doctor. And everyone knows, hey, women's empowerment, all right, go out there and make a name for yourself as well. And so I was a professional in the highest sense, and Tay was a doctor. She, she being a professional as well. And the thing is, we're both chasing after these accolades, and we're both chasing after the world when really where's the focus on the family, right? Where's the focus on, on home? And, and so at that point, we kind of lost a little bit of ourselves and we also lost a little bit of our, our relationship as well. Wow. You know, Jason, I, I think a lot of people end up in that space, you know, let a professional uh, sports, but I think even within ministry, and, and church, I mean, I'll be honest, like even my husband and I, even though we're, where we work in, like he works in international development and I'm doing media, we have to intentionally consciously choose each other or we could literally get lost in the work that we do. That's right. What's your advice for people like that? Because you know, sometimes you focus on, well, you know, I, I want, I need success or, you know, the more that I am successful at work, the more money I get to provide for my family, make all these excuses. And then we actually don't make choices toward each other. For those that are in that same place that you and Tay were, what would you say to them? What's some of your encouragement? So you have to challenge yourself on, on these definitions, on these constructs. Um, of course, what the world and society tells us what providing for our family looks like. But in actuality, we have to look at our Bible. We have to look at God's word um, and what it describes as what providing for our family looks like. And that's love, you know, that, that's quality time. Um, you know, Jesus, he wants an awesome, intimate relationship with us. And at, at his deepest core, that's what a marriage is. A husband and a wife, you know, just sharing love and spending some quality time together. But it's really hard when you're chasing after the world all at the same time. Yeah, that's good. So you're at the top of your game, Jason. You've got a contract, $37.5 million, which is like, astonishing and like astronomical amount of money that I'm, I'm even for me personally, I'm like trying to conceive that as far as, as work. Uh, wow. And you decide to leave it and do something completely different. And even sitting there saying that I'm like, it's like, and I, I talked to some of my friends about, they're like, what he did? What? <laughs> like, it's a shocking thing. Uh, let's talk about, why you decided to leave that you were the you know that top paid center in the NFL why you decided to leave it and where you went so uh in that big mansion one evening um I had an awesome encounter with Jesus and Jesus told me today and I said no Jesus you know tomorrow uh just like you know I always said a thousand times you know tomorrow uh, I'll give my life tomorrow uh, just like the song says. Um, but Jesus said, no, Jason, today. And he cared and loved me so much that he showed me a vision of my future. And here's what he showed me. Um, he showed me my brokenness. He showed me the divorce. He showed me all the pain. He showed me the bankruptcy. He showed me that I wasn't even in the same state as my children were. I wasn't even able to hug them and hold them when I wanted to. And in the end, I saw myself on my knees, all alone weeping, and the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, surrounded by demons, and they're all just pointing fingers at me like, you're so stupid, Jason. You see um, you know, what your true reward is? And I said, no, not me. And Jesus said, yes, that is going to be you, unless you humble yourself and repent. And I said, Jesus, I know that you can redeem and restore my marriage. I know that you can save my family. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. You say the words and I'll do it right now. I know that you can save my family. And in the middle of that, I heard a clear audible voice that said, pour it all down the drain. And that sounded quite strange. I said, Jesus, I said, I do whatever you want me to do. Um, you know, what's going on? And again, he said, pour it all down the drain. And so in that mansion, we had two bars. And I'm not even a drinking type person, but if you have two bars, the cool thing to do is to stock them with top shelf liquor, right? Mm -hmm. And so I had all of these uncorked bottles um, and the bar in the basement, it was almost 20 feet long. 
And wow. so, instead, so instead of uplifting the name of Jesus in our home, we were uplifting the name of, yeah, Captain Morgan and Jack Daniels. But in obedience, I uncorked every single one of those bottles and poured it all down the drain. And that was my first act of obedience, uh, my first act of submission to Christ. And you know what? It, it, it was one of those Jesus take the wheel moments, yeah. right? Where yeah. you just feel so liberated and you feel so comforted at the same time because um, I wanted to be in control. But as much as I was holding the wheel, of course, I was headed towards disaster and destruction. And, and so um, fast forward, he did it. Uh, of course he did it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and back to Jesus, and I said, man, you're good at this, like redeeming and restoring relationships. He's like, yeah, like I know that's what I do. And, and so uh, well past that first act of obedience, I said, well, well, what else do you want me to do, right? I'll do anything. I told you I'd do anything. And then that's when God placed in my heart to feed his people and to be a farmer. To feed his people and be a farmer. So you were a professional football player and farming. When that came to you, basically from God, what was your response? Like, I mean, like you're, you're playing, you're in this big mansion, you've just poured down, you know, the, the booze and feed my people. Some people might think that's like, okay, well, maybe be a preacher or, um, you know what I mean? Feed them spiritually or do something else. But farming, Jason, had you ever done farming? Was there anything about farming that connected you with farming? So that's why you have to be so careful. It was one of those, be careful what you pray for moments, you know, careful what you wish for moments. Because when you open yourself up to God and you're that vulnerable and you say, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You don't know what his response is going to be. Um, If you had told me 10 years ago that I would be on a farm, a beautiful farm, you know, working every single day, getting my hands dirty to feed people, I would have laughed at you. All right. I would have thought that was the craziest thing in the world. But I look back at it now and it makes all the perfect sense. Tell me why it makes the perfect sense. You leave it all. You leave professional football, you leave that massive contract to become a farmer and to feed people. What was, how was that transition for you and the family and what kind of farm and how are you feeding people now? So it it started with, of course, the call from God and Mm -hmm. then a leap of faith. Um, You know, God calls so many people every day to do some, some pretty awesome things but then comes the obedience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, and, and I say fortunately because it, it was still a very tough decision, um, I took that leap into the unknown, not knowing where I was going, of course, not knowing a thing of what I was doing, and not even owning any land back in North Carolina. Um, but all the while, God was telling me, in me, there's no failure, all right? Uh, just just keep walking, Jason, walking in faith, and I'll guide your steps. And for me, before being a control freak, all right, me wanting to be in control of my life, that felt so uncomfortable, all right, walking into the unknown. But here's the covenant that my wife and I made with God. We said, whatever land you bless us with, wherever you lead us, we're going to call that land First Fruits Farm, and we're going to give the first fruits of everything that has grown from that land to your people, to our neighbors, uh, our neighbors you have called us to love. And what does love actually look like, right? Um, In Matthew 25, Jesus tells us that whatever you have done for the least of these, you have also done for me. And so the thing is, I know we're in America, one of the most richest countries in the world, but yet there's suffering all around us. And when we see that suffering, there's also the opportunity for compassion to Mm -hmm. actually share our hearts, to share our best and give compassion and love to our neighbors. And and so on its most practical sense, um, that's what we're doing through our food ministry, growing food, uh, which North Carolina, unfortunately, is one of the most food insecure states in our country, uh, ranks 10th actually. Uh, one in five children in some counties, it's a size one in four children, don't know where their next meal is going to come from. So 
I know we look at missions in other countries. I know we look at so many other things we can do, but there's a lot of need in our very own backyard. And this is what God has called us to do. Incredible. So you didn't know farming. How did you learn farming and what kind of produce are you growing in your farm? So uh, I get a lot of laughs uh, when I tell people I learned how to farm from watching YouTube videos. <laughs> so awesome. Natural for me because um, I watched a lot of film while playing football. Uh, we watched hours and hours of film every single day. I would break it down, emulate what I saw, and transfer it over to the football field. And mm -hmm. so here at farm, I can naturally watch hours of videos, break down what I see, emulate it, and transfer it over to the farm field. It, it, it actually kind of natural. Um, so the skill of what you learn in football actually was, like you say, transferable to sort of learning, watching, taking it, emulating it onto the field, and now literally a field. Oh my goodness, Jason, I'm getting it now. I know, <laughs> I think right? I'm getting what God was meaning. <laughs> so, like, mind blown. It's, it's one of those, like, karate kid, Mr. Miyagi type deals. Yes. Mr. Miyagi, I, I'm painting a fence. What does this have to do with karate? And Mr. Miyagi, the whole time, is like, Watch Danielson. You'll see. All yes. right. Of course, I'm I'm preparing and playing football, thinking about what does any of this have to do with farming. But there's a lot of similarities. Very right. many. Okay. So, what are you growing? So, North Carolina is the sweet potato capital of the world. More oh. grown in North Carolina than any other state. All right. Uh, it's also our state vegetable. Uh, it's very nutrient dense, and so the core of what we grow is a lot of sweet potatoes. Um, it, it's, it works very well for our, our soil and our climate here, as well as many of the thousands of volunteers that come and visit our farm every single year uh, to help grow in love. That's a great, I love sweet potatoes, especially with the garlic aioli sauce when they make them as like little like sweet potato fries. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, that's amazing. I'm now seeing the connection. I can see, you know, that's amazing, Jason, when I think about sort of God's plan, because it seems so, like when I was looking to say, I want to interview you, it seems so different, the, the connection. But when you put that together, it's like God knew. I think it's for everybody. I think that's a good lesson for all of us. It's like, it may look so incredibly strange and abstract and extreme, but I love how already the skills and thinking were there while you're playing football to do this great work in farming and, and feeding uh, your neighbors uh, and friends in North Carolina. That's incredible. That's a beautiful, wow, that's just beautiful to kind of to connect what God is doing. Jason, in that, you know, why do you follow Jesus? Why Jesus over anybody else or any other religion? Why Jesus? I tell you what, uh, he deserves all the credit. He deserves all, all the glory, all, all the honor. Um, people have no idea um, with all that money that I had um, staying in that huge mansion, just how miserable I was. I went to bed every single night, stressed out of my mind. Went, woke up every single morning, stressed out of my mind. I'm talking about the demons. They were already like taunting me, all right, day and night. And um, Jesus took all that away. Um, that there is no source of comfort, joy, and peace um, that this world can give you. It can only come from him. And um, even though I'm working harder now than I ever did playing football, all right, and I'm working for free, okay? <laughs> all, all, all for his calling, all for his glory, all right? Um, working harder now, um, I have responsibilities like way above my head. But ask me how I sleep right now. I sleep like a baby. Mm. Um, the, the joys that, that he has brought, uh, not just to me, but my family. Uh, when we first got here to the farm, um, our third was on the way, uh, little Noah. And now we have eight 
awesome, beautiful children growing up here on a farm. And I tell this to everyone, a farm is the best place to raise a family. Um, we have, yeah, free range children. Okay. Uh, so pasture raised kids, uh, you know, just, just out here, just running around and I owe it all to Jesus, everything. Jason, that's beautiful. Let me ask you why the emotion, as soon as you started talking, there is this deep, deep soul core emotion that came out of you. Um, unless you've been there, very few will understand. Gotta forgive me. Um, all right. You, you really, you really got me with this one. All right. You really got me with this interview. Um, I had no idea you were going to have me over here bawling, all right? <laughs> but, uh, but, but since you started talking about my Savior and my best friend, um, I had a boldness for the world, all right? Um, since my youth, um, I, I had a boldness. Um, and I went out there and I was the best towards the world. Mm -hmm. um, little did I know that, yeah, I was gaining the world and yet losing my soul all at the same time. Um, I knew from an early age exactly what I was supposed to be doing. Um, I grew up in church, grew up in the Bible Belt. Um, I heard about Jesus. I heard the stories. I heard other people's testimonies. And like I said before, I said, yeah, whatever. I, I'm going to live my life. Um, but the thing is, is that all the while I was chasing after the world, I didn't know how much of a hole I was digging for myself. All right. If, if the wages of sin is death, then, wow, we talk about me being a multimillionaire. Yeah, I'm, I'm a multimillionaire, but on the wrong side of these scales. And the thing is, there's nothing that I could have done in my own might, nothing that I could have done in my own effort that could have saved me and pulled me out of that ditch. It was all Jesus. And so that's why... Um, I'm so ashamed that I knew about the gospel, but yet I still rejected him. Mm -hmm. I'm so ashamed that I took advantage of Jesus so many times mm -hmm. and used him as a whipping boy for, for my own personal gain. And he is so much more than that. He is so worthy. And... That's why I, I owe him my all. I owe him everything. So, to God be the glory. Yeah. Jason, thank you for that. I, I was going to follow up with a question, and I, I don't think I need to now, because I think for our viewers and listeners, they get it. And I think many of them, many young people, are pursuing success and money their own desires and have don't think they need jesus but i bet jason that most of those people that we see they're successful and wealthy on instagram and living their life are deeply lonely are deeply disconnected yeah. from people relationships broken and i'm not trying to make a judgment call on them i'm just saying hearing you with everything that you had i mean you were even married too but yet there was this hole because you're trying to fill it with all these other things that were not the real thing, which is a, a, a real and true relationship with Jesus. And I yeah. feel that I really appreciate the vulnerability and authenticity that you are, you know, that you are showing because I think that's real. I think people need to know that, that when we choose him, we get it. And we look back and go, man, because I, you know, Jason, I did the same thing. I, I call it my prodigal years. I mean, I grew up as a missionary kid. I was adopted by missionaries in the Philippines. I came to Canada. 
had it all, knew Jesus, and completely walked away for years and got myself in so much trouble and pain and had to find my way back. And now I look back and like, ah, those wasted years. But I think that, you know, I love that God redeems and restores and gives us new dreams and visions like he did for you. And then we take that and we feed people and we, we listen to people and we share with people and we invite people to the table and to their tables. Like that's what it's about. Right. And so I, I'm so encouraged and inspired by you and your life, really. I think many who are listening and watching will be too. And just wanted to thank you so much for your life, your obedience and faithfulness, and for your voice today. So thanks Amen. for being with us on the show. To God be the glory. Thank you. Hi, this is Becca again. And, well, that interview was fantastic. Both of them. Lecrae and Jason both chose to do the right thing even when it meant losing something of real value. And now I'm wondering if I would make the same choice. All right, I'm done. Back to you, Melinda. Take it away. Well, these past 18 months have been so hard on many aspects of our lives, whether it's mental health, relationships, addictions, or finances. We all have areas that need strengthening right now. I know because I've heard this from so many of you, and it's impacted my family and even myself. And so that's why we chose this as the theme for our summer series, SOS, Summer of Strength. And that's also why I'm so excited that we're teaming up with David Ash and his Simple Wealth book to help strengthen a critical part of our lives that we don't always like to talk about or even know what to do with. And David has a remarkable story of going from bankruptcy at 28 to building a significant wealth that allows him to have the time and resources to invest in the things of Jesus, loving all people and pursuing things his family feels called to. Well, David wrote Simple Wealth for his own adult kids to pass on everything he's learned about the importance of building wealth in a way that is simple and accessible. Now you can read this book in a weekend and it has the power to strengthen your financial future for good with very simple principles. Check out simplewealth.com slash seeherlove to get your copy of Simple Wealth today. Did you know there are more people in slavery right now than at any point in history? I didn't know that. These people deserve freedom, and I believe that none of us are truly free until all of us are free. The world needs freedom partners, and I believe that Canada can be a leader in standing up for freedom, for the safety and equality of the most vulnerable. And so that's why I chose to partner with IJM Canada to invite Canadians like yourself to join with IJM to help bring hope and freedom to people living in fear, oppression, and slavery. IJM is on a mission to see 500 million people protected from violence by 2030, and we need your help. Will you join us as a freedom partner? Well, please go to IJM.ca to find out how you can help today. There's a lot I had to process through and in these conversations. And I think the takeaway for me, the learning is personal. You know, as much as, you know, I'm a Filipino woman, I realize that I need to be a better ally to my black brothers and sisters. I need to be a better listener in the areas of mental health and struggle. And I think even a check for me on success and not that I had ever a $35 million contract put in front of me, but my pursuing things like fame on Instagram and on Facebook, um, getting well known for the sake of adoration and making myself feel better, or is it what God has called me to? And, it, and would I be willing to leave a lot of money and fame and notoriety uh, to follow Jesus in the simple places, whether it's a farm or behind the scene. So I'm so grateful for Lecrae and, and Jason. I'm so thankful for their courage. I think it's amazing to see two men, men being vulnerable and open and honest and being courageous and sharing their story, knowing that there will be haters and people that will judge them for what they're saying. So... I guess it's just, you know, we stand with you, Lecrae and Jason. We are your allies. Thank you for inspiring us and strengthening us 
in the areas of just persevering and coming closer to God, in listening to God more as he speaks to us, and then being courageous in going where he has called us to go. So thank you so much. And to your listeners, I just want to leave you with this. Be strong, be brave, and know God is for you and with you always. See Here Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherelove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.